and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Welcome everyone, I am Carolina Toth, host of the Level Up Engineering Podcast, and it is my pleasure to welcome another accomplished tech leader here with us today. My guest is Maura Kelly. She has been at MailChimp for over seven years, and she is the VP of Engineering there, so she has a pretty big job. And uh, before we start with today's topic, I want to ask her about her life, what she does. I know she has a computer science background and she is in Atlanta. I don't know if she wanted to give that away, but I am quite (laughs) jealous. So please tell us about yourself, what your passions are and what we should know about you. Hi, Carolina. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this. So as you said, I'm a VP of engineering at MailChimp. Um, I have been here for about seven years. Um, I lead teams that are primarily working on the product side of development. So my teams are working with our cross-functional partners like design and marketing and product to deliver products to our users. So I do have a computer science background, uh, major, uh, major in computer science in college. I have worked as a manager for a bunch of years. Uh, before that, I was an engineer, back-end engineer. Um, my favorite language is Python. I live in Atlanta, Georgia um, with my husband and my dog and my five-year-old daughter. And um, all of that and playing Wordle uh, kind of takes up all my time. But when I do have spare time, um, I love to read. I'm an avid runner. A little fun fact about me is I've been doing German on Duolingo like on and off for years, but one of my big goals for this year is to make a more deliberate effort to actually learn German. Awesome. Uh, German is kind of hard. I am also yeah. I'm also on Duolingo now studying Italian for fun. Thank you for sharing that. And without further ado, our topic today is iterative development and um you talked to me about um, some things that you have been doing in the recent past. So um, what is your new development process? And please, if you could share the story with us where you are right now with MailChimp. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on the topic of iterative development, one of the things that I worked on last year was um, we put on uh, what we called the customer obsessed sprint for our whole our whole product development team. So, like most everyone, kind of runs their own version of Agile. Um, we run in two week sprints, and over the summer we did a sprint to focus only on bugs and lingering customer issues and took a pause from new development. It was a really fun event. As I mentioned, it was the whole product development team. So it was product was involved, design was involved, and we really just rallied around the customer experience. So obviously we are always working on things for our customers. So whether it be new development or or fixing bugs, Um, but I find that teams can often get 
can get sort of tunnel vision on just building their new features, which are also important, but this was a nice time to take a pause and look at the things that were plaguing our customers. Uh, that's really awesome. And um, if you don't mind me asking, was it coming from your engineers to like take this pause or was it coming from management? So the cool thing about this particular event was it was sort of coming from everywhere. I love sayings. And one of the little sayings I learned uh, in this uh, in this whole thing was that great ideas have many parents. So there had been pockets of different folks starting to think about something in this area. And we, you know, we kind of all came together and started working on it together. So it came from engineers, it came from management, it actually came understandably from our support team. Um, so I had a, a couple of particular co-conspirators I wanted to shout out, um, Mehdi, Lee, Cal, and Ariana all really helped me with this. But again, the very cool thing about this, like I said, is it was sort of coming from everywhere and it coalesced together. I love that. So how does it look like? What is the new development process and what does it involve? Yeah, so this is one of the interesting things about this particular event, and I think really kind of also translates into all day-to-day -day, um, development, is we have um, hundreds of engineers. So we have a number of product teams, and what that exactly looked like differed for each product team. So what we tried to do was give teams some input. So we had a list of ranked high profile customer bugs. You could even rank it by how old they were. There were some things that had been reported by customers years ago that had still not been fixed. But then the teams also knew from the product areas that they owned what things needed to be fixed there as well. So so how that looked differed for each team where they, you know, kind of brought together, like I said, the the kind of the input of these old bugs and then what they knew um, from listening to their customers and knowing their product, what they needed to fix. Mm -hmm. So uh, did all these teams come together and they worked in like a multifaceted manner or did they work in different stages of this development? Uh, so that's a good question. For this in particular, we timeboxed it to a sprint. So we timeboxed it to two weeks. And that really drove a lot of, I think, good decision making where when you're timeboxed, you have to get stuff you can do in two weeks, right? Basically, right? Like, what could I make a difference on in two weeks? So, for, you know, I would say that the teams kind of jumped on it quickly and were trying not to spend a lot of time deciding what to do or taking on something they couldn't do in two weeks and, and we're trying to get something out quickly. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. I, I love that when there is a time pressure, sometimes really good ideas come very quickly to people. Right. Okay. Another saying I love is creativity loves constraints. Oh yeah. I love that too. I might just steal that. That, that is very true. Okay. So you are in this new development uh, kind of sprint and people need to make decisions very fast. I imagine MailChimp is a pretty big organization. What did this look like from the leadership's uh, point of view? Were managers perhaps taken aback or were they prepared? What should someone who is thinking about a change like this feel out for? Yeah, absolutely. 
So one of the things you have to consider when you're making some sort of change or wanting to put on some sort of event is uh, buy-in, right? Leadership is a lot about sales, a lot about getting people on board with your ideas and selling your ideas. So definitely I was thinking a lot about what leadership might want out of this, what they might want to hear to want to do it, to get excited about it. Um, so there was a kind of a couple things that I grounded it in. One was that we had rolled out a new set of core leadership behaviors that we felt like were the things that we needed to do to best serve our customers. And one of them is, is customer obsessed. So this was a clear point where I could be like, hey, we can do this sprint and it shows that we're customer obsessed. We'll actually make tangible benefits for the customer. So that was one thing to think about with, with, with getting leadership on board. Another thing to think about was um, the impact to our customers. So our customers' busy season is Q4, holidays, and it's where the folks who make most of the revenue. So from a development team perspective, we typically typically are pretty calm in that point that part of the year. We don't want to we don't want to be causing outages for our customers, kind of like to chill then, and we do a lot of bug fixes then. But that's also the busiest time for our customers, so it wouldn't have been nice for them to get those bug fixes earlier in the year, you know, going into that period of time. So these are just some of the things that that we were thinking about and, you know, how can we get everyone on board with this and really excited about it. So I put together a proposal for it. Like I said, I had a lot of co-conspirators. Um, we worked together on the pitch and, you know, getting everyone to really understand what we wanted to do. So I would say that the things to think about is like, what does leadership care about? What do they want to hear? What are the impacts that you're going to have out of making this change? And, you know, kind of put that together in a way that you can to talk to them about easily. So like I did many kind of informal chats with people. I did a specific presentation to our executive leadership team about this event. Thank you. It sounds like you made it really tangible for the people in the leadership and you kind of made it appetizing so that everybody wanted to participate. And yeah, that's really great. And you also mentioned that this uh, was coming from many different angles of the organization. But um, how did you get that buy-in from the developers? Uh, you mentioned that sometimes, and as we all know, sometimes developers get into the development-oriented development rather than the customer-oriented development. What were yeah. your key selling points there? So a couple things. One is I find that engineers really do want to do work that's really impactful. Um, and so I think an important part is showing people how impactful it could be. Our customer team uses Zendesk. And so we just have many, many, many tickets in Zendesk, like many um, customer reporting issues. In the customer obsessed sprint, we were able to resolve tickets that touched about 1300 Zendesk tickets, which is, that's, that's impact, right? Um, we had dashboards where you could see how we were doing on closing issues. I think the other thing to think about with getting developers on board is, um, you know, we all know that we've got stuff out there we would like to do better. Um, you know, if you wrote code six months ago and you don't want it, like you probably want it to be better. So kind of tapping into that natural, like, I can do, I know I can do this better this time. Mm -hmm. I love that. And um, just to go full circle, um, did you send out any kind of memo to your customers? Was there some kind of um, a big drum up to the event or you just kind of did it and then rolled out with the improvements? So we were 
kind of quiet about it. We didn't talk about it to the customers. Um, uh, we do sometimes follow up on particular issues, right? Like so if a customer reported an issue and we fix it, we'll report, we'll report back to them, but not a big sort of customer fanfare. All right. So it was more for the organization and for the product. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. So you mentioned that um, there were some tickets that were there for an outstanding period of time. Did you ever have an event like this before or what was your process before this happened? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to mention is that um, if you want to do this, it was a really great event for us. I think the teams really love doing it, but that doesn't mean you can just forget about bugs <laughs> besides these two weeks. So how that typically works for us is, as I mentioned, the end of the year is pretty pretty quiet period internally to make sure that that the platform is stable for our customers. So we will do bugs during that time. Um, and teams will also work in outstanding issues, customer bugs, et cetera, dur during their normal sprints, during their normal development time. All right. I'm trying to get uh, my head wrapped around this. So this was like a two week sprint that you organized for the entire organization. Did it have a name kind of, or was there some kind of a gamification to it in some sense? Yeah, so the name, we called it the Customer Obsessed Sprint. Customer Obsessed is one of our core leadership values. So um, that's where we borrowed the name from. And uh, we did have a dashboard in Looker where you could see all of the issues that have been tagged as Customer Obsessed Sprint and then see how many were resolved um, and see how many were open mm -hmm. and how old they were as well. Uh-huh. And how many, uh, did everyone participate or was there like some kind of a sign-up sheet or, or just the whole company? What, uh, how could you get in the, the customer upsets the sprint? Right. Great question. So we had all of our development teams, um, participate. So, um, it wasn't the whole company in the sense that not all of our functions are working directly on the product and things that work for our customers, but we had everyone who was directly building software for the customers participate. Wow. That's awesome. Tell me about the people that you mentioned. You, you gave a shout out to some co-creators of the, of the idea. How did this come to life? What were some of the most memorable events that you can recall? So as I mentioned, the folks that I shouted out had similar ideas and we're actually working on their own pitches. So Cal and Ariana are on our customer team and they had worked on a pitch similar, kind of similar um, where the development teams would focus on knocking out as many customer bugs as possible. Mehdi and Lee are on our engineering team and our QA team, and they had kind of looked at our larger development teams are divided into these um, smaller product teams with that we call domains. And they had looked at like, oh, just in my domain, could we do some sort of event where we could knock out a whole bunch of bugs um, or maybe a whole bunch of technical debt? So it was cool being like, oh, I had this idea. And then other people had really similar ideas and start to work together and figure out the, those common patterns. Um, and then you have, you know, like a little fun cohort. Um, I had thought about it from the sense of um, kind of like you take a hackathon and flip it on its head. So where a hackathon is just like go out and work on, you know, whatever interests you, um, which is also valuable. But what if we kind of flip that on its head and said, hey, like for this, two weeks, let's really, really focus on, um, on bugs. 
Right. I love that. And maybe it's a, it's a really great way to motivate everybody who is, who is involved so that they can all be, you know, like really engaged. Like it's a, it's a little project within the whole team. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got really great feedback. People seem to really enjoy it. People have been asking about doing it again. So that's always good. That's awesome. Are you planning to do it again? It, it kind of sounds like, um, this could be something that you organize, you know, every, every year or maybe more often. Yeah. I mean, every year would be great. Um, potentially you could do it twice a year, no concrete plans at the moment, but definitely thinking about it. That's pretty awesome. So let's go down to the nitty gritty of the, of the entire event. Uh, you mentioned already that you put together a little infomercial for the leadership team and uh, you kind of tied it to the the new company values and you also said that you kind of got the developers on board by highlighting how their work was making an impact on the on the entirety of the product who were kind of the decision makers who had to give it the green light um, what were the the steps of implementing uh, the whole thing yeah that's a really great question. And actually, that's a really great larger question. I bet a lot of people find in their organizations, sometimes it's really hard to know who's the decision maker oh, or, sure. or, you know, where do I get like the final sure. okay? You know, and sometimes you just have to go for it. Um, sometimes you have to ask forgiveness and not permission. So this is this was actually um, a really great example of that and um, a, a good learning opportunity. So I am part of a group um, uh, that we call CDT. It's the customer delivery team. And what this group does is we're cross-functional leaders um, across the disciplines, um, you know, just really looking at the overall, like how we're delivering on our product for our customers and um, how our teams are doing. So that group was kind of my first stop um, to get to get their buy-in after I had knew a lot of folks were really interested in it because we're really thinking about those teams that would be involved in this day to day. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I also did a presentation for the executive leadership team um, on this event. But this is this is a great one where it's hard, right? This is one of the hard organizational um, challenges is figuring out, you know, like, who's the final decision maker? And how do I get this thing done? And so what I would encourage folks to do is just get started start talking to people, start figuring out who you need buy-in from, um, and just keep building from there. That's really awesome. And also show the people who might be hesitant, how their participation might be really great for them or their, their teams. Is there anything specific that you can share for the VPs of engineering who are listening that you particularly had to do or, or something that you're quite proud of um, within organizing this event? Yeah, so a couple things. One is just really think about your cross-functional partners. So as I mentioned, I'm already in a team for that. So we meet together every Tuesday. So um, I kind of had a natural place to go for that, but maybe other um, VPs of engineering don't. But the big thing would be to think about your cross-functional partners. Because one of the things I really believe is early on, there were some questions like, is this an engineering only event? Um, and I, I said, no, I really, think this is about what we can do for our customers. And, you know, I bet that for every, you know, technical debt thing or bug that an engineer would like to fix, I bet there's designers going, 
well, I don't really like this interface. I bet I can make that better, you know? So engage your cross-functional partners and really make it about the whole team, about the customer, um, about something that's a little bit bigger than just engineering. I love that. So you went to your cross-functional partners. I love that you have a weekly meeting. I think that's something that we can already take away that uh, yeah. cross-functional heads or, or team leads or VPs should um, have some kind of a, a check-in. I know that it's kind of like a cliche these days, but I still see some silos. So I think you can't iterate that too many times. You, you have to uh, tell people that they should talk to each other. So you got yeah. the buy-in from, from your cross-functional colleagues and you got the buy-in from your teams and leadership. And uh, so I kind of heard between the lines of what you were saying that you really didn't need a kind of final okay or you didn't wait for a final okay. You kind of just did it. Is yeah. That right? Yeah, you know, we had a lot of buy-in, a lot of support. There's sort of um phrase that I've coined. Um, uh, one of one of the women on my team is really, really good at this. It's um, And so I coined this when we were talking about it. It's like minimum viable buy-in. Like at what point are you like, you have enough, so just go do it, right? One of the hardest things about this whole event was picking the date. And for that, we worked really closely with project management because I feel like project management just knows <laughs> they know everything having to do with time and calendars and, you know, what our what our rhythms are. At some point, you just got to jump. You know, you might not get like a final like, yes, 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 of course, you can do this. Go go forth. You got you got to jump. Right. So can you can you tell us what the date was or is that confidential? I don't know if I am. Oh, it's not confidential. It was the two weeks after uh, 4th of July last year. So I could look at a calendar, but I wanted to. No, I that's I think that's already like, cool. Yeah, because it, it sounds Maybe like, like uh, it sounds like people already had like some fun resting time. If it's, you know, close yes. to the 4th of July and they were coming back and full of energy and enthusiasm, yep. hopefully. As a company, we had taken that week off of the 4th of July. Um, so we came back and did it um, right after that, which was just also a really nice way to come back to work. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. You already kind of hinted on this about uh, the feedback from, from uh, the developers and the people who participated. Um, would you care to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. Like, what was the feedback from the developers or from management? How, how did it all go down? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, good, good feedback generally. It de definitely also got some constructive feedback, which I'll share as well. But people enjoyed it. People enjoyed, you know, it felt kind of freeing to have a little bit of space and deciding on what you want to work on. There were a couple like really old bugs that were fixed and that was really exciting. Some of the kind of constructive criticism that we got to just to think about for next time is one was like, you know, and I, I definitely thought about this a lot, was we could have been more directive. We could have been more directive in what we wanted the teams to do. Um, you know, we left it somewhat open-ended and that would be something that I would definitely think about for next time. We also pulled it off really quickly based on when we started talking about it and the the kind of that two weeks that I talked about that worked out really well for the sprint. Um, the time in between there wasn't super long. So more comms 
the more comms always always good advice right so next time uh, if we do it again we'll do more comms and more comms further out but that was another piece of, of constructive criticism about it but um i was in a meeting just last week um, when people were asking about like oh people really like that can we do that again that's awesome i loved it and i i i wanted to to talk about this because you said you haven't made any plans about like when exactly you are going to do it again but um has it brought any kind of structural change in a way like um, do you take tickets differently or or do you approach certain kinds of problems differently since uh, since this happened that's a great question i don't know that i have any like quantitative answers to that um, at the moment, but I would like to think that qualitatively, it's always good to raise the customer problem in the minds of your teams. Um, so there is, I felt like there was some value in having it and talking about that just period, right? Like talking about the customer experience, the, you know, the empathy that you can gain, not only from seeing how the customer is using the product, but seeing how our customer team is responding to our customers using the product. So qualitatively um, d definitely changed um, some thinking and definitely changed my thinking. I love that. And now that we have talked about this and we are telling everyone that uh, this is a great event and you should all do it and you should all be customer focused. Let's talk about if you had any challenges. Um, was there something that you can, you know, particularly recall because it was a very hard time or, or something that you would definitely do differently next time. Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, one, you know, I've mentioned this already, but um, I am, you know, I like sometimes one of the things I struggle with as a leader is this is the sales aspect, which we've talked about already, um, because sales can feel to people like, oh, I need to go get someone to do something they don't want to do, or they just they kind of think I do think about it in the most negative way. But if you think about where, I think sometimes this is a very engineering thing too, like you just have this brilliant idea and obviously people will understand it immediately and just come along with you. But that's not usually reality. Um, you can have a brilliant idea or a thing that you're trying to do and you're probably gonna have to sell people on it a little bit. So that was one of the challenges. And I think also really a challenge for me personally. Another challenge um, was something I've mentioned already a little bit was just about teams having the the direction that they needed to to really make the most of those two weeks. So um, if we did it again, we would be more directive, um, you know, have more comms, make people feel more confident and comfortable with the time. And then the last challenge I would say, and again, I've talked about this a little bit too, is you know a lot of times it's hard in organizations because permission isn't this binary thing. Sometimes you have to jump and you have to make that leap and you have to feel like you're confident in the buy-in that you've gotten and just go forward. I love that. Um, on that note, can you tell us what the, the point was for you to, to know the, how did you say the minimum viable buy-in? Um, yes, <laughs> viable buy-in. So what, um, what, was, what, what did it feel like? when you had it. Yes, absolutely. So I just, I remember, I actually, I remember this specifically, I was meeting with our product leadership team about it. And in that meeting, folks were sort of like, okay, like, 
who who says we can do this? And I was like, we do. I love that. And that that felt like a really good moment where it was like, all right, we were kind of like over over the cliff here. I love that. And that means you personally had enough confidence in all the people who you have talked to to say, okay, guys and gals, we are for this idea, all of us collectively. Right. I love that. This is this is really great advice. So we talked about um, the process. We talked about some of the challenges. We talked about the future of the project, I imagine. I am hoping that uh, you will have a set date sometime soon for for um, when it's going to happen next. Are there any potential pitfalls or some things that you would like to warn us about if we are thinking about this inside sales aspect of, of something like this? So a couple thoughts on that. One of the things that I think you you have to do is both stick to a vision and be flexible. So if you're trying to do any really anything, right, you're going to get some feedback along the way. People are going to be like, oh, do it this way. What if we did it for only one week? You know, what if we did it a different time? Bunch of, you know, kind of little feedback along the way. And you both have to be flexible to that feedback, but also kind of stick to your core vision, right? Like if you want to feel strongly kind of inside that you're there's, there's a thing that you're going for and stick to it. Because I think people really see that, right? Like that you, you have a vision and you're working to accomplish it. I think the other thing is something that I mentioned earlier. The sprint is not a substitute for doing work within your normal development cycle on bugs and technical debt and UX debt even. Um, but it was a great moment in time to just focus on those things. Mm -hmm. This is um, this is really great. I I think uh, there are many, um, many good things to to take away from this. And so if you can tell us a little more about how the end looked like, um, was it, you know, a hybrid working environment? Was it everyone being fully remote? Um, how did it actually go down? What did it look like? Yes, that's a really great question, um, you know, because of pandemic times. Um, so this was entirely remote. We did it all, you know, over Slack, Zoom. And, you know, MailChimp has been working uh, remotely for the past two years. I've been, I've been here in my house um, working at home for the past two years. So, um, one of the one of the sort of additional challenges I think when you're putting on an event remotely is drawing people together and kind of like drumming up excitement. So that added a, added a kind of another aspect to this. We've done events in per, you know pre-pandemic did a ton of events in person, a ton of things where we would actually fly in all of the folks who work remotely into the office and and do things all together. But this one wasn't entirely remote couple things that helped. One was things that people could look at asynchronously. So like I mentioned, the dashboard. And the other thing that we did was, um, this wasn't immediately at the end, but a, but a little bit later, we do a company all hands um, on a regular basis. And we, in that company all hands, highlighted all the, all the things that we accomplished during the sprint. But just in conclusion, it was all remote and definitely a little bit different pulling off an event when it's all remote. Right, right. So can you tell us a bit more about how the different teams interacted? Was there a specific kind of work strategy behind the event or, or 
did you just go on as usual, but worked on this special dashboard? Um, so one of the things that we chose to do and somewhat and pretty deliberately chose to do for this particular event was to um, not change teams, was for teams, already established teams to do this work. You know, I am very interested in the idea of like, what if we, you know, kind of let folks choose their own teams and get together with folks who are interested in working on similar problems, because I think that there's a lot of value in that. But for this, for this particular event, where when we planned it and how much lead time we had on it, we decided to just do teams in place. So they could already, you know, kind of use all of their normal meetings, normal working norms for this. Um, but that would definitely be something to consider and because that would make it a little bit more hackathony too, right? Like if if folks could make their own teams and organize work that way. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so is it, I know we talked about this because I, and I often mention this because I think it's very true and we should talk about it, that agile software development looks very different when it comes to different organizations. Did this event change anything within your working culture? Um, do you have any sort of different structure in place since then? Or did you make any changes with regards to how you interact with other teams? So again, um, I don't think anything quite like specific at this point, um, but we've been talking a lot more recently about how do we talk more directly to our customers? How do we get teams more directly talking to our customers? In December, I think it was, we did um, a whole group of cross-functional folks went through um, the Silicon Valley product group um, training. And that is all about customer discovery and being customer obsessed. So we have made a lot of um, improvements or, or trying to make a lot of improvements in how we focus on the customer. So I think this is one of the outcomes or the sprint was maybe like a step along our journey um, because, you know, we're always trying to improve, always trying to do better for our customers. Yeah. Thank you so much. You got me really interested about your other core values. Do you care to share with your audience? Uh, just a couple to sort of pull out here. Um, thriving in complexity um, is one of them. And uh, this is about sort of having, being able to solve problems in complex situations. Uh, another one is inclusive leadership. Another one is um, action oriented. So the idea behind these core leadership behaviors is they're kind of like how we do our jobs, um, you know, how we meet our goals, um, uh, how we work with our teams. And they're like, they've been built into our performance evaluation process. Um, and I really like them because they're, again, they're, they're, they're behavioral. Um, they're focused on working well with each other and working well for our customers. Um, so anyway, that's, that's a little bit more. I love those. that. Thank you. Thank you. And with that said, if um, we can circle back to, to this, uh, like, inside sales position that you mentioned, these are all really great because if someone wants to do better on their performance evaluation, they will do these behaviors and you can also get them on, on your boat if your boat is going in the direction of these behaviors, correct? Right. right. I love that. Thank you so much. We have talked about many aspects of organizing an event like this. 
and you have gave us fair warning about getting enough buy-in and making sure that people are all on the same page. Also told us that we can't communicate enough and that it's very important to make it fun and exciting for the people who will be involved so that they can bring their best selves and uh, make anything that they make for the customer or the end user, whatever kind of product you're building, you should have the customer obsession that you have talked about. Is there anything else that you would like to add or you would like our listeners to know? Um. Well, that was an amazing wrap up. Um, really, <laughs> you have really distilled all of that out really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if there's one thing that I've learned from leadership generally is you cannot communicate enough. Um, so that would be a good one uh, to leave folks with. And then I'm just a big believer in having fun. If you know we're going to be at work, you know, for eight hours a day and working with all these folks, we you know we should look for ways to to make it enjoyable. So this particular event was, was all of that. Thank you so much. Um, thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, Carolina. Where can our listeners follow you or follow your work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Menorets. Um, I don't tweet a lot, but I do read a lot of tweets. Feel free to also connect with me on LinkedIn. I love that. I am sure our listeners are intrigued. They might have some questions to follow up. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dearest listeners and dearest watchers, today my guest was Maura Kelly. Um, she is the VP of Engineering at MailChimp and she shared uh, about the details of this wonderful event. Um, I hope that you all enjoyed our conversation. Um, give it a thumbs up, a like, follow, share, subscribe, all that jazz. And also follow Kelly on all of um, her social media platforms. I am Carolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.